Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you just please allow us to receive your word today in a way that we can apply what we need to and understand better and interpret your word and have revelation of your word, God. Allow us to be able to see things from your perspective and hear from your perspective, not from our own, God. So that that way we can see and hear people the way that you see and hear them. God, you said in your word that we should be like you. So give us your attributes, the attributes that you believe that we are mature enough to grow in, to practice, God. Anything additional, Lord, God, just allow us to become mature. Your children in a way where we can mature and understand your word and grow. And grow in our relationship with you. And grow in righteousness. And grow in your and just being able to glorify you and, and, and grow into having favor with you, God, more and more each and every day of our lives. So, God, we just pray and we ask that you just please allow us to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose, God. Allow us to accept it. Allow us to be sensitive to your uh, Holy Spirit, to be sensitive to your inspiration so that we can be inspired and encouraged. God, let us crave the things that you want for us, God. Let us crave your will. Let us crave your plan for our lives, God. And let us fulfill it, Lord. And so we ask that you just please allow us to just be led by your Holy Spirit. Let no man deceive us because we have the mind of Christ and therefore no weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name. And every tongue that condemns us in judgment is condemned in the name of Jesus. So God, we just thank you right now for removing every obstacle and barrier out of our path so that we can fulfill your purpose. We give every concern, every problem, every issue, every obstacle, everything that is in our life that would try to prohibit us or mislead us. Father God, from accomplishing your plan and will, God, remove it. We lay it at your throne of grace and we ask that you just handle all of our concerns and problems for us. Most importantly, God, we want you to be done. So, God, I ask that you just lead me in this discussion. Allow me to um, just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for filling me up. Please quick me. Allow me to talk about everything that I need to talk about today so that I can minister grace to the earth. And also, just give hope to those that are lost and that are filled with despair and hopelessness, God. So, we thank you today for just being with us and giving us your word. But most importantly, God, we ask that your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your blood. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Lost Life and Health. Let's talk about it. So, um, I'm continuing on the discussion of women's health. And... um. I just want to make a few statements before I begin. Uh, a few housekeeping rules are if you have any questions via Zoom webinar, please go ahead and put them in the Q&A. I can also see what's in the chat. So if you're putting something there, I can see it there. Um, if you have a comment on one of the audio apps, such as like iHeartRadio, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, or Podbean, any of those audio apps, 
please go ahead and put your comments in the comment section and I will respond to you there. Um, if you wanted to become an author, right, please send me an email at info at suddenchangescorporation.org. Also, if you were interested in doing some community service, maybe for court or something like that, I am a 501c3, which is a nonprofit organization. So you will be able to do your community service with me. So I have um, worked for it people to do if you need um some extra uh work to do and community service and so also wanting to become an intern for school maybe to get school credit or something like that i have positions available for that as well so please send me an email okay send it to info at suddenchangescorporation.org also if you were in need of prayer right it's important to know what you're praying for and know what you need. So um, be specific in your prayer request, right? Be very specific. You're communicating with God because God is going to be specific with you with the things that he requires of you. So just be very specific in your prayer. And if you want a prayer request by me, um, send that to lawslifehealth at suddenchangescorporation.org. Also, if you wanted to suggest a topic or anything, send an email to Deanna. Watson at suddenchangescorporation.org. Okay. Thank you all so much for that. So I've been talking about staying positive, right? Um, and overall, you know, like this applies to women, but it also applies to men too. A lot of women are raising young males, right? Um, you know, we can teach a male how to be, um, when it comes to how they should interact with other women, right? But we can't teach them exactly how to be a man. They are supposed to submit their will to God, right? So the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. So we as women should be teaching our young male how to just basically submit and depend on God. Um, So I wanted to talk about, mainly I want to finish up hopefully today about staying positive. So I left off on... Yesterday, well, yesterday I left off on do some journaling, exercising, walking, and getting some sunlight. So I was talking about being idle and how idleness can sometimes disrupt your lifestyle, right? So some people think that it's okay. Don't confuse being idle with being still because if God wants you to be still, that means that you can still be still and still be productive, right? Because God still wants you to be able to have a productive life, right? So, um, being idle, you're not having anything to do. You're available to gossip. You're available to slander other, other people. You're available to have, um, doubt and unbelief. You are available to do all of these different things besides what God wants you to do. That's what idleness does. Okay. So then your mind source of, of it wonders in so many different outlets in a, a like a multi linear way. That is somewhat negative because of the fact that if you're idle, you you have time to you um engage in like uh hatred for other people sometimes and and talk about other people in a way where you're slandering them. Um, you have time to gossip and do all of those things, and those things are not you know contributing at all to any purpose whatsoever. So um. We have to realign our thinking. If we want to improve in life, in our walk with Christ, 
we need to realign the way that we feel and what we think okay so our thoughts is actually shaping our behavior it influences us so if you think that it's okay for you to gossip and slander other people to cut after others to you know um to do all of these type of malicious type of things those things aren't good right and so if you want true change in your life you have to start with self and start with self means that you can't continue to practice in those same type of attributes if you are going to expect something different to occur in your life so in order to get a different output or a different outcome in your life you have to do something different than what you are accustomed to doing and so many times it starts with self and it starts with your inner circle and the people who you with so let's um i want to get right into the word today so let me share my screen okay and i am going to go to um so i i am using a pop-up extension right so this is the bible extension and it says but i tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart matthew 5 and 28 so that's some um good word today so uh let's see here oh so actually i i could speak about this scripture this pop-up scripture here so today i had a friend call me that i haven't talked to in a long time they actually didn't call me they reached out to me through social media and so i found married i was like oh okay you know i didn't know that you were married or anything like that um do your wife know that you contacted me and so he was just like no and i was like okay well you know that's inappropriate basically you know i don't talk to no one else's man that's not cool so um i didn't know that this person was married but they um they are and so i just you, you know like feel like we have to make sure that no matter what situation that you're going through in your life you have to have values and morals to the point where you respect what god says right so i don't mess with nobody that's married i don't mess with anybody actually right now so it's like it's it's important to have standards and have um values and so god wants us to have these values and it says here but i tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart so the problem is is that i feel that it's disrespectful if a man is approaching me and he's in a relationship that is disrespectful to his wife but also to me so don't think that that's cool and don't think that you could come talking to me or get in my inbox trying to speak to me and you are a married person. So I don't get down like that. That's not something that I, I'm um, accustomed to. You know, I, I don't do things like that. So that's something that's very important. I come from a space where I was a wife for a very long time. I got married when I was 18 years old. So marriage is something that I value. And when people are married, you pose a, you're supposed to respect that union. That what God puts together, that's what it's supposed to be. So if I'm looking at just because he's married, don't don't feel enthused by that. Don't feel any type of respect at all because that's a form of disrespect to not only you, but also to his wife and also to God. Um so I just wanted to point that out. Um, so just moving forward, 
So we need to do some journaling, exercising, and getting some sunlight. So yesterday I talked about um, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6 and 15. So let's go to that scripture. Okay, so this is what I talked about um, in the name of the Lord. So this 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, and 15. So this is where God was talking about to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive, right? Um, because what will happen is it'll cause you to be that way. If who if good bad company corrupts good character, that's what the Bible says. So you want to make sure that you're you're subjecting yourself to an environment that is congruent to your success and prosperity, right? And if you want to have prosperity and righteousness, you want to make sure that you're subjecting yourself in a circle or environment that is going to be congruent to you growing. It's going to complement your growth with God and in your relationship and your walk with Christ, right? So your environment plays a key role in the amount of success that you will have in the kingdom of God, okay? So this idleness is source of disrupt your um, teaching. It disrupts the pattern that God gives you because what happens is these people that are idle, they don't provide good examples when they are, um, they're available to do all of the wrong things. When you, you really don't want to be subjected to that because you can get influenced by those things. For instance, when you think about all of like these commercials, right? For instance, like, during the football season, when you have the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, there are people that are paying millions of dollars for a commercial that only lasts a few minutes. So that commercial is influencing people. All right. So you can't tell any marketer in the world that people are not influenced. Every single person in this world is influenced by something. Okay. Um. So if you're going to say that you're not influenced, you are. You've been you've been preconditioned to be influenced by the type of toys it starts with the toys that you like you know and then it starts with the colors your favorite colors it starts with you know the type of clothes or your favorite type of shoes it starts with the favorite type of car and then the type of house and the favorite animal you you are influenced by everything around you people are influenced by everything around them and so the, what this scripture is basically saying is that you want to make sure that you are being urged in a way to be influenced by God and also imitating people that are not idle in a way where it will cause disruptiveness to your life. So you don't want to live a disruptive lifestyle. For instance, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. This is in verse 10, right? And so, you know, like in verse 10 says, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. So they just move around like they're doing stuff. But they always talking about people. They're always doing something besides what they're supposed to do. Okay? And they you this way too because we've all, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person. No one is exempt from falling short. So we've all failed at some point in our lives. So it isn't a point. It isn't our duty to bring condemnation to other people what our responsibility is is to encourage each other to give each other the word and to uplift each other 
right? And we are supposed to talk about our faults. For instance, if I make a mistake, I, please tell me that I'm messing up. Don't just let me go about making a mistake. It's it's the same way like if someone you saw at work was doing a certain task the incorrect way. Are you going to sit back and let them continue to do that task incorrect? So you want to be the type of person that has integrity. So even though it isn't your responsibility for the job that they are doing, you work for an organization. So you should be able to maintain that same vision and that same goal. For instance, if... I, since I am in the kingdom of God and I have revelation and interpretation of the word of God, I need to share this revelation and inside the world because that's what God wants us to do. Right. So just because you're at work and you see somebody else doing a task that you don't want to tell them like, hey, you're doing that wrong, you know, but you feel like it's not your job to tell them that. Why do you feel like it's not your job to tell them that you have to continue to think and understand? God wants us to maintain integrity with everything that we do. Everything that we do, we should have integrity when we're doing it, right? So if you are um, doing certain things, you have to analyze yourself. You have to have self-reflexivity in order for you to grow in life. This is a requirement, okay? We have to always be looking and analyzing ourselves, not just looking at people. We should be able to tell each other, hey, you're doing that wrong, you know? This is the way that you should do it, you know? Those are the type of people that have integrity that they're going to tell you when you're slipping. They're going to tell you when you're doing something wrong. You don't just let people just doing things without saying anything to them. So, I wanted to go over some things. I was praying today, and so God gave me God gave me the um, word today, right? And so, this is what God gave me. Um... Let me read it. This is this is something gave me. So uh, here we go. Let me go to this scripture. And then it's another scripture too. Okay. So here we go. Okay, okay. All right now. Okay, so there are a couple different scriptures I got to go in detail about that God gave me a clear revelation. All right, so these are all indications that it's time for us to really, really pay attention to what the Word of God is saying. So, this is the revelation that God gave me. If you turn to your Matthew 15, verses 11 through 20. Matthew 15, verse 11 through 20. Okay. It says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. So, then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, everything that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. 
And if blindly the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. He said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed does not defile anyone. This right here is so powerful. Let me explain. So this is what God gave me with this. I was just sitting here. I've been in prayer, talking to God today. All right. And so um, this is what I wrote down. This is what I concluded from the conversation that I had with the Lord. It is what's in the heart is shaped by the thoughts and spoken out of your mouth. Okay. So. As a man think it, so is he. I'm going to start there with that scripture. As a man think it, so is he. So if you go to pop, oops, I'm sorry. I was clicking on a different um link. One second here. If you go to Proverbs 23 and 7, it says, for as he think it in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, said he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. So what this means is that, yes, a person will eat and drink and do all of those things. But if his heart is somewhere else, he's not even going to be right there mentally. So as he think it in his heart, so is he. So if you think something, it's in your heart. my phone ring so as he he think it in his heart so is he when you think something it is in your heart already it becomes your thoughts become prevalent in your heart it becomes a part of your heart you're thinking so let's look at another scripture so go to your bibles and to Romans 12 and 2 it says do not be conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so what this means is that when you are not conformed to the pattern of this world. Think of pattern. For instance, it's saying pattern here. Be not conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. So let's look this up in the Strong's Concordance. 
So I'm going to speak about the strong concordance for a moment. Um, so the strong concordance is basically the translation of the Hebrew scrolls and the Greek of the Bible into like the English word. Okay, so we can understand what it fully means. All right. So the Strong's Concordance basically gives us the definitions, the transliteration of what the Word of God is. So the Bible is comprised of two different testaments. And I know I do this every single time, but I just have to because there's more people today. So each day when I'm talking about the Strong's Concordance, I just want to be able to explain it in a way that everybody can understand it across boards, right? Um, so... The Bible is written in two different testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is written in the book of like uh, Hebrew scrolls, right? It is books from Genesis on to the books of Malachi. The New Testament is from the book of Matthew into the book of Revelation, and that is written in Greek. And so the first five books of the Bible, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those five books are considered the Torah. It is considered the law, right? So you can call it the Torah or you can call it the law. That is what the first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew scrolls, is about. If you look in the New Testament, the first four books of the Bible is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the Gospels. So those are that those are places where you can find what Jesus did when he was here on earth. Um, it talks about the life of Jesus, his crucifixion, his um, resurrection, and those type of things. And so it's so important to understand that when Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth, he was 100% man and he was also 100% God. The thing about it is, is that Jesus did not use any of his godly um, qualities while he was here on earth to defend himself. He used the godly qualities to heal people, raise the dead, to heal people. That's why he well, that's what he did. But he did not use it to defend himself at all. And so when he died on the cross, he was crucified and he was beaten really bad. Um, and so he resurrected, and then on the third day, he um he, he resurrected after being crucified. So I want to go to Isaiah. Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 53 and 5. So you look at Isaiah 50. Oops. I don't know why it says 53 and 3. I meant to go to 53 and 5. Isaiah 53 and 5. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon was on him his wounds we are healed and so this is something that was predicted a long time before jesus arrival okay and so these are the things that is written in the book of isaiah that prophesy what would happen to jesus christ and so we have the silent period from the old testament to the new testament so from the book of malachi to the book of uh matthew there is a 400 year silent period where God did not speak at all. And so when he did not speak, you have to understand that God wants us to be still sometimes, you know, and it's okay to move at a turtle pace. It's okay to, you know, um, you know, be still because God can speak to you clear. We have two ears to hear 
as much as we speak. So we need to use our ears, our spiritual ears too, to be able to hear the voice of God. But the way that we hear the voice of God is through the, the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus was here on earth and he, he was crucified and then he resurrected on the third day, he was here on earth for 40 days with his disciples. He basically was ministering to them, talking to them, and just telling them to go out and make disciples, right? And so what happened was he ascended into heaven after the 40th day. And so 10 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit down. And so his disciples became drunken with the Holy, with the Holy Ghost. And so that is considered 50. So 40 days, Jesus was here on earth. 10 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit down. The Holy Spirit descended on the disciples. They became filled with the Holy Ghost. That is considered 50, the number 50, which is called the day of Pentecost. Okay. And so we can have access to the Holy Spirit when we authorize the Holy Spirit to lead us. So the number one thing in understanding the Strong's Concordance is we're going to look at the words in the Bible from the Hebrew scrolls and also the Greek translations, right? So the way that we do that is we do it based upon the King James Bible. So for instance, this scripture, Romans 12 and 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. That's the NIV version. But the King James Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we have all of these different translations. So that some people, they can understand it. Some people don't understand thou and ye and thouest and um, shoulda and all of those type of um, words, right? And so God has allowed these different translations to help people that really don't understand the Bible, right? Um, it just gives them a, a better way of reading the Bible, okay? Some people have intellectually disabilities that prohibits them from fully understanding. So some people may say, well, if the King James Bible is matched closely with the Strong's Concordance, why do they have all of these translations? So that's the reason why the translations exist. It's because many times um, there were people that was forced not to be able to read. They wasn't able to read. And they was, it was forced upon the entire culture, entire races of people. And so that was done through slavery and a lot of different things. So God has allowed us many people to be able to read and understand his word through different translations, which is why the Bible is the number one bestseller, right? And so I had just recently found that out sometime this year that my pastor was talking about the Bible is the number one bestseller. I was like, wow, that is so good. So um, going back to the strong concordance in Romans 12 and 2. So whenever you're going to do a uh, word study or you want to dive deeper into the word of God right um and study the strong concordance right so theology is the word of God the study of the word of God so exegesis is when you look at the word of God you study it and you read exactly what it is but eisegesis is when people read into it and they put things on what the bible is saying so if we're going to study the word of God through hermeneutics and most people that most scholars, they study it through hermeneutics, which is just reading the word of God exactly the way that it is. 
Meaning that some people, they can interpret it and some people they can't. So they choose to read it through eisegesis, which is the inappropriate way to read into the word. Um, the proper way to read it is through exegesis, right? And that's hermeneutics. Um, and so what well, we're going to look at the word transformed. So according to the Strong's Concordance, what it does, it lists each time a word is mentioned in the Bible. Any verse, however many verses it is. So if you type that on the word transform, the Bible um, verses that come up for that are three. So although this particular word has three different, is listed in three different Bible verses, it only has two different meanings. So we're going to look at Romans 12 and 2. And so each word has its own number attached to it. So, for instance, if we look at the word perfect, it has 23 lexicon words, lexicon numbers, right? And um, so that's also equivalent to having 23 Strong's numbers. So, if you look at it as something like in the Merriam Dictionary, it's going to have like multiple definitions of a word. For instance, the word perfect has about eight different definitions of the word perfect in the dictionary. But when you're looking in the Strong's Concordance, it has 23 variations of what the word perfect means. So we're going to look here at the word transformed. It's going to pull up every Bible verse. So I don't really have to look that hard. It, I was just reading Romans 12 and 2, and that's the first one that pops up. So it is Strong's number 3339, which is metamorpho, metamorpho. Metamorpho, it means literally or figuratively to change or transfigure, transform into something else, right? And so that is what it means. And so we're looking at this. God wants us to transform into something else, transform literally into a different mind. We should be renewing our mind. So all of these existing thoughts and belief systems are not going to work. Right. We have to unlearn what we thought was appropriate. Right. And learn the things that God wants us to know. So let's let's look at this for a moment. Um, so for as he thinking in his heart, so is he. If you think a certain way in your heart, that's what it's going to be. So what God was telling me in this um, scripture here. Um, Matthew 15 and 11. It is not what is what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles them. So it's really about, you know, like the way that you think. So, for instance, many people think that because you eat a certain type of food, right, that you are going to get sick from that. Right. And yes, some people do get sick by some of the food that they eat, but like maybe they might get food poisoning or something like that. But eating and health has a lot to do with your thinking in your mind. And let me explain this. If the Bible is saying it is not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. The Bible also says, for as a man thinketh, so is he. The Bible also tells us, that in Proverbs 23, um, Mark 12 and 17, um, no, I'm sorry, which, I'm trying to find the other scripture that I was on, Romans 12 and 2, that we should not be conformed to the pattern of this world. So, like, 
the food that you eat is not really making you sick. It's your thinking and your mindset that is making you sick. So after you eat food, what do you do after you eat? Do you think it's okay to just sleep? Do you think it's okay to not exercise? Do you think it's okay to lay down right away? Do you think it's okay to eat while you're laying down? So it's like all of the things that we do after we have consumed food is something our thinking process. It was in our in our minds. So our minds is what is telling us this is okay. It is okay to eat large proportions of food right because you think that is okay so as a man think it so is he it isn't the actual food it's the amount of food so let's just say too much of anything it could it could be detrimental to your overall health but is it really just the food or is it the consumption is it the type of food? Is it the ingredients? You know, like it's the thinking. It starts with the thoughts. Everything starts in your thinking. So some people say, okay, is it is it okay to boil it? Is it okay to, to wash it? Some people don't wash their food. And there's no way that some people would never ever eat unclean meat. But just think about this. It is really about the way you think about what you consume so it is not what you actually are consuming that is defiling you it is what you do after you have consumed so those are the things that are not good right because if you are conforming to the patterns of this world, the world is going to tell you, oh, okay, just do, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, you have freedom to do what you choose, but there's always consequences. So you have to think about those things. So the Bible is telling us this is a parable. And so this parable is like God is saying, look, just because you could eat whatever you want doesn't mean that you should. But it doesn't necessarily equate to the food that you eat defiling you because your thoughts and your thinking that impacts your heart is what's in your heart. Your thinking impacts your heart. It shapes your heart. It shapes your behavior. So, yes, if you think that it's okay to eat 10 hot dogs. Right, because if you were to just eat one or two. That would be fine. But if you think that it's okay to do 10 or 15, or I'm just using, I'm just throwing a number out there in excess of what is normal, simply because I'm just trying to reiterate just how simple it is to understand this Bible scripture. And so what God is saying is like, look, it is not what you eat that is defiling you. You think that the food that you eating is going to get do something. It's not doing that. So let's look at the King James Bible. I want to look at this and we could analyze. Let's see here. Okay. So let's look at the word defile, defile it. We're going to look that up in a, in a concordance. Okay. 
Okay, so we were just on. Matthew 15 and 11. And so we are here. Matthew 15 and 11. It says. We're going to look up this word. In the Greek. This is going to be a Greek word. So the word. Defiled. Defiled. Is in the Bible. Eight different times. It has six different meanings. But we're going to look at the one specifically. For Matthew 15 and 11. And it is Strong's number 2840. It is pronounced koino. Koino. To make or consider profane, ceremonially, call, common, defile, pollute, unclean. So what it's saying is the hot dogs that you value or pollute you or cause you to be unclean. So like, for instance, I don't eat pork. I haven't eaten pork in very long time, right? And so probably since I was like a teenager. And then I have made a mistake in eating some pork where somebody said it was some turkey. And so the thing about that is, you know, um, it was like pork turkey. And so this scripture really, really talks to me about like the word of God will speak to you. And so it's not about what the food that you're eating. It's not. Um, it's not about the food that you are eating. It's really just about what's in your heart that's spoken out of your mouth. So as a man thinking in his heart, so is he. So that's the revelation that God is saying. Like, it's the way that you think, it gets into your heart. And then it becomes a part of you. Like, it becomes a part of your behavior. It becomes a part of your reaction, your everything. You're engaged with other people. So, all of something that you that you, you have to understand that is not what you're eating that is defiling a person it's not what you eat it doesn't matter about the sandwich it doesn't matter if you eat pork or not i don't eat pork but i'm telling you right now that it by me not even eating pork it doesn't matter it doesn't the food is not what is defiling us it is your thinking after So it's your thinking afterwards. And um, so that is what this scripture means. Matthew 15, 11 is not which goeth in the mouth that defileth coming out of the mouth. This defiled a man. So Quit focusing on what you're eating and play, place more emphasis on how you think because the food that you eat, everybody wants to pay attention to what they're eating. Everybody wants to pay attention to their weight. 
Everybody want to look nice. Uh, everybody want to have a nice face. Everybody want to have a nice body. So God is telling us it's not what you eat that defiled a man. It is which coming out of the mouth, this defiled a man. So God is telling us, quit paying attention to the food that you eat so you can pay attention to your how your body is shaped, how your skin look, how all of these different things are. When what you should do is pay attention to your thoughts. You thinking about what you're going to how you're going to stay fit and what you're eating. Are you eating enough greens? Are you eating enough broccoli? Are you eating enough string beans and peas and veggies? Are you eating enough protein? Do you have enough meat in your life? Are you need? Do you need some more chicken? When are you cooking this? How you can stay lean? How you can build this muscle mass? So God doesn't want us to focus on those things because it's not what you eat that is defiling you. You may think so, but it's not. Your thinking influences you. Your thinking impacts your heart. Then you go out and respond to things. For instance, you might have just had a terrible breakup. So now what you're about to do is you have to get drunk because you had a terrible breakup. Now it isn't about you going out and buying the alcohol. It's about are you about you're about to get drunk when you bat is alcohol. The thought, the thinking. Can you drink and have one glass or can you drink you or are you just about to drink and have 15 glasses? So now instead of you, you know, like it, it isn't what's what's the alcohol. It's about your choice, your thinking that caused you to get drunk. Because if you had your thoughts in check, you wouldn't need to get drunk. But because you thought you was going through this experience of a separation, so you needed to get drunk behind it. So now it's like, okay, see, the consumption could have stopped at cup number one. If you had your thinking in order. So it wasn't the alcohol that made you do it. It was your thinking that made you do it. So when you, when you committed adultery, it wasn't that person that made you do that. It started within your thoughts of you thinking that it was okay to commit adultery. So yes, you know, like you have to keep your thoughts and your thinking in order and in check, period. So it's not what you eat that defiled a, a man. It is what's in the heart spoken out of the mouth that defiled a man. So what's in you 
can defile you. So it isn't the chicken. It's the way you prepared the chicken. It's the way that you're consuming the chicken. You know, like in a way where you consuming it in a way where, okay, I'm about to eat 50 things of chicken because you think it's okay to eat 50 legs. No, it is not. Our thinking, what's in us comes out of us. The chicken can't force you to eat it. The soda can't force you to drink it. The wine can't force you to buy it. That man's wife can't force you to have sexual adultery with her. That woman's husband can't force you to have adultery with him. So it starts in the thoughts, in your mind. You have to think about what you're doing. It's what's in you coming out of you that's messing you up. God didn't say, okay, well, you know, you're going to be unhealthy if you drink pop all day. No. But if your thoughts are influencing you in a way where you think it's okay just to drink soda, 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 or pop, 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 whichever one you want to call it. If you want to call it soda, if you want to call it pop. From where I'm from, we everybody call it. So I'm going to use the word pop because that's what I'm, I, that's the way that I know it. So if you drinking pop all day, all day long and never, ever drinking any water. How is your thinking allowing you to think that that's okay? They have ingredients. They have like the pop isn't forcing you to buy it. The chillings did not call you into the grocery store and said, buy all the chillings up. So we have to be cautious about the things that we engage in. What's in your heart is going to come out of you. What's in your heart is shaped by the way that you think. Your thoughts shape your heart. And those are the things that you do. So quit thinking it's what you eating. And quit thinking it's like, oh, okay, I got to watch my weight. I got to watch this. I, got, I can't be eating that. I need to eat some veggies. I need to eat grains. I need to, you know, quit focusing on that. Because the scripture is telling us we need to focus on the way that you think. You think it's okay. To keep having fornication. Why? God said don't do it. And you saying okay. So which one is right? So we have to check ourselves. That's what we have to do. We have to check ourselves. So going moving down. I want to go down all the way to... Uh, Let's go down to verse. I'm going to turn this back to in the NIV version. 
So it says. In verse uh, 13, he replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. Do you see that? Leave them. So the want to focus on the Pharisees being offended. We see this in verse 12. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? It's because they they are so struck on the law. They can't understand that they need to let the word of God marinate in their life. Marinating in their mind. Instead, they want to get offended. But the, the thing is, pay attention to this verse. This verse is so crucial. This is a critical verse. Don't miss it. The disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard? So they was offended when Jesus said, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So you have to understand why are the disciples focusing on the Pharisees being offended? We have to stop focusing on, oh, see, I don't like the way she said that. Because you know what? She could have said that better than that. She ain't have to use that tone. She ain't have to come like that. Oh, he ain't have to do that. I mean, he writing everything. I didn't like the way he said it. You know, his attitude is wrong. Her attitude, I don't like her attitude. Who cares? Right is right and wrong is wrong. We don't live to please people. We say what the word of God tells us to say. So th this is what the word of God said. The disciples was basically being concerned about these religious Pharisees being offended. This is in the same like th this is all interconnected this entire parable. You have to read, look at what God, the word of God is telling us. So people are going to get offended by you. So what? What does that mean? You have to keep pushing forward. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Keep doing what God said. Keep showing up. They're going to get offended. This is Jesus Christ talking to these people. They're not even, they're getting offended by God that created the heavens and the earth. How many people you think on earth is getting offended by God? 
they not really mad. They hurt about why God won't do this and why God let this happen and why did God let them do that? Why did God let children this happen to children? Why did God let that man do that? Why did why? They gonna keep asking all the wrong people instead of asking God. So they offended. These Pharisees are offended. It's the same way people are going to be offended. They are offended by the word of God. Because when it's time to check your thinking, you ain't ready to check your thinking. But you ready to analyze somebody else's life and tell them, well, she shouldn't have said it that way. He, he shouldn't have said it that way. I don't like the way he said it. I didn't like his approach. I her approach. I don't like the way she asked, asked me that. I don't like that. Like, once again, who cares? So going forward in verse 13, it says, he replied, this is Jesus replied. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled by the roots. So their offense, this is Jesus responding to his disciples being concerned with the Pharisees being offended. So they basically like, Jesus is like, look, Everything that God planted, did not plant, it's going to be uprooted. So that's going to be uprooted out of them. They could be offended all they want. But see, the word of God was spoken. And so it's going to accomplish what it's sent out to do. So whether those people get to God or not, the, those things that was planted gonna be uprooted. Everything that was planted that was not bad, a heavenly father will be uprooted. So Jesus speaking the word, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. That word is permanent. That word is permanent in, here on earth it is whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven not they offense they offense is uprooted jesus saying verse 14 leave them they are blind guides so when i say that i leave people in their belief systems i will leave you in your belief system. You don't have to analyze the word of God with me. You don't have to read the word of God with me. You don't have to understand the word of God with me. God said, leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. 
So the reason why they was offended is because they hear something different that isn't allowed them to be blind anymore. So they offended by what they heard. So Peter said, explain the parable to us. God, Jesus say, are you so dull? It's like you asking questions that you should basically know the answer to. So Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? So these are physical things that we are not even, people don't even pay attention to. Whatever you eat is going to come out of you. For instance, with COVID, I've already talked about this to everybody. If you have COVID, all you needed to do was drink water every 15 minutes until you start getting into the habit of urinating or urinating every 15 minutes. So this part of the conversation is for mature audiences only, okay? So like, for instance, when it comes to water, and I'm just giving um, the regular advice that I know that have helped the people that I know. So water actually will wash down everything that's in your body. So if you have, like when you think of a, a cold or a COVID, Think of a bug being stuck somewhere in your body, like in your chest, in your face somewhere. Like water is going to flood. So the way to get rid of COVID is you get rid of it through your urine or through your poop. And so if you force your body to poop or urinate every, like uh, if you drink water, like one glass of water, depending on your body mass index so your body mass index was you have to figure that out you need to talk to a professional about this because i am just giving you advice from my experience it is not meant for you to take the advice and do anything in excess so i'm just giving you an example okay please do not try this at home but i'm telling you from experience of what i know with the people that i know so please do not try this at home. I'm letting you know that now. Okay, so I will not be responsible or liable for any of anything that anybody do when it comes to the this message that I'm giving today. Please see your primary care physician for any of all your healthcare needs. All right. So when a person starts to drink water, you so you drink one glass of water. Fifteen minutes later. Drink another glass of water, but urine, right? So each time you you urinate, you you drink another glass of water. And so what happens is it'll flush it out, the body. So that is how colds are. Take honey. Honey can push it down too. Honey and water, lemon. Honey, honey, lemon, water, water. Okay, not soda, not any other juices, not cranberry juice is here. Okay, it's all right. But for the most part, just water. That's it. That's all you need is water. And so this scripture here, it says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? 
So if you get ketchup, it's going into your mouth. It, it goes somewhere. It goes somewhere. Either into your nose, your nasal passage, your eyes. It can go into your mouth. It's going somewhere. And so it's entering in you. So it's only it has if it go in, it gotta come out. It just have to come out. That's it. So the, the issue is that many um like cough syrups and stuff like that, what that does, it, it, it makes the cold like dormant in your body. So for instance, if you're if you're sick and you take NyQuil, the cold is here in your chest. It's going to stay there if you take NyQuil. Place and it lies dormant. It stay right there because you you taking this NyQuil. It's going to put it right there in the middle. It's going to stay right there. And so the, the problem with that, why are you taking that type of medicine that's going to make the cold light dormant in your chest? That's not something that you want to do. You want to drink water to flush it out of your body and eventually once you start urinating urinating it's going to push it out it's going to go further down and further down and through your intestines and it's going to come out of you so think of this everything the bible says is true okay and keep believing it think it so much until it becomes a part of your belief system. So, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? That is verse 17. So, it's going to come out of you. Whatever you eat is going to come out of you. But what's in you is how you think that shapes your heart influences your behavior and your reactions so in verse 18 but the things that come out of a person's mouth it comes from the heart and these defile them see because what's in your heart is going to continue to grow stronger and stronger and stronger and some people have so much pain embedded in their heart that they have given power to that pain so they can't receive love no more i'm gonna say that again some people have been so defiled by pain that it has taken over their heart where they can't receive the love no more so don't let that be you you once once sin grows, it becomes. Let, let's go to that scripture. It's a it's a scripture on this. So now we're gonna look at James one and fifteen. It says, "Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin." When it is full grown, gives birth to death. So what this means is a person that love, they are going to grow in their love. 
a person that's hurting, they are so convinced and, and they desired, you know, like they so focused, they're so affixated on this hurt that now they don't even understand that everything that they do is being shaped by the hurt that they are experiencing. So they want to get up, listen to depressing music, sob in a in a problems. That's a desire. They don't even know that they are doing this. They are inadvertently doing this to themselves. It starts with that desire of you constantly focus. If you constantly focus on something, it becomes a part of your thinking process. It becomes a part of your mind. If you think that it's okay to, you know, like keep your refrigerator clean, your refrigerator is always going to be clean. But if you believe that, you know, like you could clean your refrigerator once a month or once every two months, your refrigerator not going to be clean. It's, it's in your thinking patterns. Your thinking is, is shaping your desires, your behavior, what's in your heart. And it, it either is going to give birth to you know, like life or death. And so what I mean by that is here, what the scripture says in James 1 and 5, after desire has conceived. So after you've given in so much to this pain and hurt that you're feeling or whatever it is, it gives to sin. So now you're being dominated by that desire or whatever experience that you're going through. You're being dominated by that experience. You're being influenced by that experience that is a part of your desire you continue to focus on that so that is your desire so when it is full grown it gives birth to death so instead of focusing on how to love again you focus so much on the hurt you focus so much on the pain that now you have basically given death to the love that you will ever experience. Love won't take place in your heart no more. You don't know how to love anymore. So that's what that means. So don't, don't do that. So James 1 and 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown it gives birth to death so some people out here they wondering like okay so they don't know how to love they don't know how to love because they don't experience love anymore it's because they've given they've given in to being in pain they've allowed pain to consume them so they don't they don't desire your love anymore they're just going to desire somebody else to hurt them because they're expecting the next person to do them wrong. They're expecting the next person to lie to them. They're expecting to get fired at this job. They're expecting all of these bad things. Your expectations are your desires. You expecting your marriage to fail. So by you expecting it, you putting your hope into the expectation. You are desiring your marriage to fail. If you were not doing that, 
Why are you expecting it to fail? So when you expect something to happen, you desire that thing which you expect. So going back here to Matthew 15 and 11. So it is what's in the mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. See, the religious Pharisees want to make sure your hands clean, you know, the meat clean, like they were real religious. So God is, hopefully that, that gives a clear understanding of what the word is. So, So that gives us a clear understanding of what the word is. So going back here, another thing that I was talking to the Lord about was um, this scripture here. All right, it is. Let's see. It's not that one. Okay, so this is Mark 12 and 17. And I know I'm kind of deviating from um being idle, but really that is a part of being idle. If you think about it, because you're focusing on what you're eating, you're focusing on your shape, you're, you're focusing on looking cute, you're focusing on all of these things when God really wants you to focus on your thoughts. The next time you sitting around the house, think about this. Think about if you notice yourself thinking something bad. How often are you thinking something bad? How often are you thinking about, you know, something negative? How often are you doing those things? You know, like, it's time to unlearn some things that you learned. And it's just time to move forward. So, Mark 12 and 17. And Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar. And to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Now, this is what God gave me with this. So... I was thinking that I had some conversation with God today, like I said, and I was like, I was thinking, this is what I said. I said, God, well, I really don't, you know, like I don't want some of these things that some people have. Don't. And like, I don't want to be rich if I can't help people, right? I wouldn't want to. And let me explain it to you why. Okay, I'm, I'm being so honest and I'm being so truthful. If rich people, they have all the money in the world to do all type of stuff to the point where they have so much money 
that they can't even spend it in their lifetime. They run out of things to buy. So for instance, if another rich person wanted to buy Twitter, they couldn't because it's not for sale. So they wouldn't be able to create another Twitter and they also wouldn't be able to create another Facebook because now you're going to go to war with your competitors that is the owner of Twitter and the owner of Facebook. So like every single millionaire are not going to want to step on the toes of other millionaires. So they run out of things to purchase. They run out of stuff to buy. They sometimes run out of ideas, right? But think about this. Why would I want to be a part of something like that? So for me to make a more significant impact, let me give you an example. A significant impact is if I'm a millionaire, I want to go into every city and make sure that all the homeless people are no longer homeless. I don't need to give my money to a nonprofit organization to do that. I can go out and gather all the people that need help. It's like how you have grassroots campaign. People go out, knock on doors. Hey, I'm running for a politician. I'm a politician. You know, like if you are a millionaire, you want to really do some major difference. This organization, they are going to have limited resources. If you are a millionaire, you can create unlimited resources for people. So I would like to have a shelter and I would want a shelter like in every city if I could. Right. So nobody would be homeless. I'm not going to give my money to the Salvation Army and say, hey, go help all the homeless people. No. Because they're going to have all of these expenses and all of them different things. So in order for me to make a real true impact, I need to be on the front line doing what I need to do. So what I'm saying here is I don't want none of that stuff. I would ne never want it. I would never want to be in a class, a socioeconomic class with individuals who always want more and more and more and more and is never satisfied i don't want to be around any of that so it's about what is your niche what is, what are the things that you really want to incorporate in your life is, is it you know you watching this video and so now you want you want to have your hair a certain color. You want to have your nails a certain way. Now you want to have this certain type of guy. Now you want to have this certain type of car and house. I don't want what other people want. See, because we're supposed to set our own trends. The, the stuff that other, well, many people are doing, they run out of stuff to do. But being here in a position where like we live under normalcy, we see things from the bottom and we understand what needs to be fixed. And so for me, I think that just helping people from that level is more, more positive and, and it's more congruent to helping 
communities become more empowered than being at the top looking out and trying to figure it out from all these other people you know and i could be at the at the on the ground level you know work, working at the front line so it's about us being at the front line doing what we're supposed to do. so for instance you have all of these celebrities who say okay i give back i give this i give that now when was you on the front line doing something I mean, so how many years you been rich? You know what I'm saying? Like what you been doing on the front line? So everyone is out here supporting all of these individuals when, you know, like they're not on the front line for your people. They're not on the front line for the community. And it's not about com comparing this person to that person. It's really about you know, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. If they choose to stay that way, if they choose to live a life that's like that, let them be. Leave them be. Let them live that. Give it to them. Go ahead. You can have that. You understand? Go ahead and keep it. Because, see, the children of God, we know that just because you have an option, it doesn't mean that it's a good option. Just because you have a chance to do something doesn't mean that that's something that you should do it doesn't equate to automatic success no we see this happen with celebrities all the time they go and they, they try to get deals with this person that person and now they look down upon you know like they treat it bogus and it's so wrong but they don't care about ethics because when you are at a certain level in life, people, the ego is now is is supersede integrity. See, it's about personality. I wrote a paper about um socioeconomic status and how we should not be looking at the stat the socioeconomic status of people. We need to be looking at their personality. So if you say you want to help the community, but you're not doing anything to help the community in a way that you have, you have access to help. You have the finances to contribute. And then there are people out here that just always constantly like, you know, they, they, they just say they want to help, but really they, they really don't. They just want to be able to say that they were a part of something. But they're not really in it for the long haul. So give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what is God. What we need to understand is the world is what Caesar is. Caesar. Caesar. It's about the money, right? That's what this, this scripture is about. But really, what is the root of money? Money is the root of all evil. And so what else is money attached to? Money is also attached to people that are greedy. Money is attached to people who are, some people are selfish. Money is also attached to people who messed up personalities. Money is attached to all of these different things because people who are attached to money, they have those attributes. So why would you want to be a part of that? Go. Quit trying to be a part of this worldly system.
that's carnal minded because it's not about nothing. So I'm going to say again, just because you had an option to do something doesn't mean that it equates to success in your walk with Christ or in your relationship in righteousness with God. God gives you righteousness and gives you the Holy Spirit. So understand what your relationship is. You, you should be feeling strong about having righteousness. Give the money to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give the world what belongs to the world. It's nothing else to talk about. If homelessness, you need homeless people in order to always need to get donations. People need to be poor in order for you to help them. So if you didn't have poor people, you wouldn't need to help the poor. If you didn't have homeless people, you, you wouldn't need to help the homeless. So you have to ask yourself this, because this was a question that I always ask for. Now, when President Obama, when he was um, running for presidency, they had the bill out view. And so this was so tripped out to me because I really wanted to know this. Right. And, and it was just like. Nobody can answer it, but I was working at President Obama's Senate office and I was so confused about this because I'm like, well, wait, this is when I really started thinking more with logic, with things, with everything. At this point, I was thinking everything with logic. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, $750 billion, $750 billion. Bailout bill, $75 billion for cash for conquerors. I remember very vivid, very vividly, okay? So I'm sitting here wondering like, that doesn't make no sense. It's less than 300 million people in the United States. Supposedly, I'm going to say that again, $750 billion in the bailout bill, less than 300 million people in the United States. That's less than $1 billion. So, how could that really be a bailout bill for the people? Because it wasn't. It was for the banking system. But if you're going to stimulate the economy, it's less than a billion people on earth. Why say seven over 700 49 billion dollars okay i mean i'm saying again should i say it again or now so this is when i started realizing that the facts 
sometimes can be skewed. Those outliers is influencing the facts is not making too much sense. So I'm still on this scripture, Mark 12 and 17. No. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So less than a billion people. I'm just doing basic calculation in my head. I'm going to just say it's 300 million people. And we know that that wasn't true. It was like 200 and some million people during the time of this $750 billion bailout bill. So this was supposed to help stimulate the economy. I mean, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Put them in the comments. I would like to know. Based upon what I suggested and what I've said, $750 billion for a bailout bill with less than 300 million people. The government could have saved, let's see, $749 billion, $700 million. They could have just gave everybody a million dollars. So this is the time when you're supposed to understand this is about not being blind to what is going on in society. This was a clear indication that Caesar is going to get what belongs to Caesar. It isn't about, you know, like, the people was it really about the people because the united states was in a recession and i just can't seem to get it out of my mind i could not get those thoughts out of my mind the united states it was 200 is about 230 million people in the u.s at that time but I'm going to just round it off to 300 million. So why do we need $750 billion? So it isn't really about helping the people to start over or to be able to have equality in that way. There are always going to be disparities. So Caesar is always going to want to get what is Caesar's. If Caesar, if the, if people could purchase air, they would purchase air. If they could also purchase gravity, they would purchase some parts of gravity. You have some people who have purchased plots of land on Mars. When you run out of things to buy, you got to ask yourself, what do you think happens next? When people run out of things to buy, what will happen next? So, this scripture is something that God put on my heart today. 
I was talking to God about, you know, like, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to be like that. So God, sometimes me and God have conversations about my plans and some of the things that I want, but my main desire is to help people. And that is what I want. I want to be able to help other people and really genuinely do it. I would really love to graduate from school. Once I graduate my PhD, I am definitely going to have my hand in a bunch of different ways to provide relief to government and be able to help people in community not just one community but multiple communities and i have a real genuine you know like heart and i have a benevolent heart to do that and so god is going to allow me to do the things that i need to do because this is a part of his plan so i will be going out helping people that really need help and i'm not rushing into anything there is a process that needs to take place. And I'm just going through that process of what God needs me to do. But you need to make sure, like, how are you feeling? What are some of the things that you want in your life? And those things, tell God about them. And then when you tell God, go back and revisit it. Go back and revisit that conversation. Like, okay, I told God that's what I wanted. So, like, usually my con conversations with God is really inspired by Solomon. Solomon in the Bible, like Solomon, when he asked God to give him the wisdom he needed, that was important. See, a lot of times we are out here like focusing on all of these different goals when God really wants to give you what your heart desires. And Psalm 37, 4, it says that if you take the light in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And so what that means is that God really wants to bless us, right? But our desires need to be aligned with his will. Just say, for instance, like, yes, you are a wealthy person. You should desire wisdom from God. If you have the ability to pray and understand that God wants to communicate with you. And so you, you, you know, you give God the chance to do that. You are in a life that is going to be great. God is going to bless you exceedingly above abundantly. Exceedingly above all that you can ask or even think or imagine. But the problem is, is that so many people are going through life and they're not asking God. They're not seeking God. They're not asking God for wisdom. And so you, we are, we should be asking God, God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding on this, God. I want to be able to help people. I want to be able to tell them about what you've done for me. I want to be able to help. But your desires need to be in align with, alignment with God. You understand? It isn't about what people want for you. It isn't about what other people see. It is about God's purpose and will will be fulfilled. There is no stopping it. So you have to let go of what you envision yourself. These things of the world is not something that is in alignment with God. If you find yourself being greedy, that's not in alignment. But you are the one who know how you are. You know what's in your heart. So don't allow your heart to get reshaped by 
being greedy or having bitterness or having pain or not being able to love. Because now you're preventing God from entering into your heart and entering into your life. So God wants to do some amazing things for you. But in order for that to take place, you have to be open and you have to be willing to have your desires in alignment with God's will. And if you are sitting here thinking that, okay, well, you're going to do this and you want to do that, but you're doing all of these things to satisfy your own self. You got to look at your life and say, okay, everything that I desire, is it just for me? So God showed me that my desires was really all about other people. It's really about always helping another person. It's really just always been about helping other people. And so God had like, was like talking to me like, okay, no, no, no. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? It's like, well, okay, I just want to make sure my kids are straight. Okay, okay, so what is what happens after that? That is done. That is done. So now what? Right? And so God, God talks back. If you give him the chance to speak to you, God will talk back to you. And so God will be like, okay, so that's done. Your kids are blessed. I, I have blessed them. I have uh, protected them with my blood. God protects them with his blood. And so now what? What do you want? What is it that you want? I eventually came to the consensus, the conclusion that I want to serve God. I want to live a life that is pleasing to him. I want to live a life that is, you know, close in a close relationship with God because it doesn't matter how much I learn in school. What God has taught me is supersedes every single thing I've learned in school. The amount of knowledge that the word of God gives is beyond normal. And when I say God reveals things to you that people can't reveal to you, and then you will grow and understand who God is because guess what? God is going to start revealing things to you. And when he reveals things to you, it's like, oh, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for revealing. Thank you for showing me that. Thank you for giving me discernment, God. Discernment is an amazing quality that some people are, some people don't understand. You need to take advantage of discernment. Do you know that discernment is like, it is not a, um, like you are aware. You are thousands of steps, you are thousands of steps ahead of situations and circumstances. It gives you the ability to understand behavior, to feel the, the to feel, understand, and see the spirit that is governing people. You understand, like you can see what's preventing them. 
moving forward. God shows you things in a spiritual realm. So like when you have the knowledge of the, the gift of the spirit, when you've been gifted with the gift of knowledge from the Holy Spirit, what happens is you, you are on a realm, a spiritual realm with the Holy Spirit. So yes, people understand things at the worldly level, at the carnal mind. So when you understand from the spiritual realm, your your knowledge is not, not on the earthly realm. It isn't on the, the plane of carnal mindedness. You don't, you're not looking at things in that way. So you have like, for me, I just, I discernment is so powerful. It's very powerful. And I appreciate having discernment. And so we have to appreciate the gifts of the spirit that God gives us. So um, I know I kind of like skipped over some scriptures and added some. And so I will be adding those to this one about idleness. Because um, your... Your perspective, your mind can cause you to have disruptive behavior. So focus on your mindset. Focus on the things that is distracting you from talking to God in your situations that you're going through. Pay attention to what are you doing? Are you calling people before you pray? Are you calling people to pray with you or are you calling them to talk to them about the problem? So you calling on them before you call on God. What do you expect the outcome will be? What do you expect the output is going to be if you're calling on people before you call on God? So it's like we really have to elevate to an understanding of what God wants us to align in our life. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to end there and just say that it's imperative that we keep God in our life, in our thoughts, in our mindset. We should not be conformed to this world but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so we can test and test God to know what his perfect will is for our lives. God wants us to live a life of abundance and it isn't focusing on all of the wrong things. We need to focus on the things that God wants us to focus on. It's okay to take in the positive aspects. Sometimes it's good to take in the negative aspects. Because those are things that can help combat your learning curves. Check out your life. Analyze, analyze yourself. Analyze the things that is going on in your life. Are you recycling your mistakes? Right now in your life, are you recycling your mistakes? And if so, what are your plans? To neutralize the recycling of your mistakes.
So don't depend on people. Depend on God. All right. God is dependable. You can trust God. You can fall on God. God will give you understanding. God will keep you ahead. He will make sure you stay ahead. So I'm going to end on that note. Um, Let me just go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for leading me in this discussion. I just pray that, you know, that we was able to receive your word in a way that everyone can understand it. And I thank you so much for giving me revelation and interpretation of your word, God. Allow us to not, you know, depend on the things of this world. Let us not focus on the things of this, this world. Focus on the wrong things, God. Let us focus on the things that you want us to. And that is the way that we think and making sure that we're not conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, God. And so we just thank you right now that your will be done in our life. We thank you for it blessing us and for giving us your word and so we just pray that you just please god allow your will to be done not our will but yours and that you keep our hearts open for you to keep seeds planted and watered in our life so that we can grow and understanding you and understanding your purpose and your plan for us god so we thank you we give you glory praise and honor in the name of jesus christ it is said in your blood amen all right thank you all so much for joining me i will see you all on sunday so I'm closed on Saturday. All right. If you needed to suggest a topic, please send me an email. Um, Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Send an email too if you wanted to um, get prayer at Lost Life Health at Sudden Changes Corporation. Remember to like the page, share, share, share uh, with all of your social media outlets. And also, don't forget to be awesome in the life of somebody else. Encourage the other people that are around you, okay? But remember, you are not a people pleaser. We are here to please and serve God. So sometimes people might not want to hear what you have to say, but it's necessary for them to hear it, okay? So keep on pushing. God got our back, and we got this. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll see you all on Sunday. You have a good night. Thank you all for joining me again.